Welcome to Sunrise Life, the podcast where we have conversations with fellow freelance models. Today, I have Dakota Simone on the line, and we finally got to meet in person also at Muses in Wonderland, which is a place where I've met so many people that I ended up having on the show. Say hi, Dakota. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me, sweetheart. Thank you for for taking the time to do this. I I love doing these podcast episodes because I feel like every time I do one, I get to know the person I'm talking to a little bit more. Agreed. I'm so excited. Yeah. So you are based in LA and you do traveling quite a bit. I do. I do. Like about once a month, I'll like do a little tour and go see the world, go on a little adventure. (laughs) I love that. Sweet. And I do also love the adventurous vibe that I get when I look at your Instagram posts. I think the first time I saw you on Instagram, because that's basically where I live on the internet, is Instagram. I, I think a lot of us basically digitally live there, but I love your your adventurous nature and I love the the playfulness that I see in a lot of your your videos and your your photos but you also do a lot of really cool like high quality photographic modeling and so I've just been intrigued by everything that you do and I'm like I see that you you do like really bendy stuff you do some cool dance stuff and you just have all this talent that that I think is amazing Oh, thank you so much. You know, when I first encountered you on Instagram, I thought honestly the same thing about you. I loved how like playful you were and just how funny, like your personality really shined through your posts. And I was like, wow, I really like that aspect. Thanks. You know, I feel like if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. And some people may be taking themselves a little bit too seriously. So when I see somebody else that does like similar types of modeling that also seems to have fun with it, I'm like, this person is cool. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. So for the people listening, uh, and for me, I suppose, I would like to hear how you first got into modeling and how your career has progressed until where it's led you to where you are today. Oh, that's a great question. I first got into modeling in 2019. It was the spring of 2019. And I had just moved to Los Angeles. I was in Denver for like a year, just, you know, like adventuring, seeing the world out. I was like 20 something. So we moved, I moved to LA with my partner. And a lot of my friends were models. So they like took me to their photo shoot. But how I got into nude modeling is some of my friends were like, man, you really should like try the modeling, try this modeling. And I saw like a group shoot happening on Craigslist. Like this sounds so sketchy now in hindsight. (laughs) There was a group shoot that was happening on Craigslist. So like I emailed them because I saw the pictures that, you know, they were um, creating and they looked good. They were artistic nudes. And I never, I had no idea what artistic nudes were at the time. I just thought, well, these people look cool, like a Renaissance painting. So I emailed the organization. You know, I sent them this long email, like, hi, I really want to get into modeling. Like, I'm, I've done a couple photo shoots, but I'm pretty much inexperienced. And they were just like, oh, yeah, come on down. Like, well, you know, we train models, like, da-da-da. So I went to that, and that was my first nude shoot. And I was so nervous. And they told me beforehand it was going to be nude. And you could tell by the pictures. And they wanted to be very clear. They're like, hey, it's a nude shoot. I mean, you don't have to get nude, but it's preferred. And yeah. 
So I went and it was like very nerve wracking <laughs> and I loved it. Like I, it was amazing. And then on top of that, like I got paid and I was like, oh my God, like this is, this is a thing. <laughs> so I was kind of hooked ever since that. And I was just like really awesome. And it's really helped me with like networking because I live in the city. So like around that time, everyone was doing it because this was before the pandemic. So yeah. it was just like, really easy to get started and to like build your network and I made a lot of friends that I'm literally still friends with who are models and it has been just a wonderful wonderful journey and it has like opened so many doors for me like from that I got to do music videos for like Doja Cat, Justin Bieber and I've also been in Playboy that was really fun and I've got to work with a lot of cool brands out here like designers and whatnot and it's just been like such a really fun journey and I never thought that I would be able to do this like I never aspired to be a model it just kind of happened so I'm really grateful it's been so fun I've gotten to travel out of the country like it's been such an amazing time wow that's really cool so your first nude shoot was a paid gig that that is really cool not everybody can say that yeah, it was awesome. Well, and honestly, it had to be paid or I wouldn't I wouldn't have still done it. Like, right. I was so nervous. So it was a group shoot? Like how many how many people were there? There were a lot of people. I want to say there were like eight models and there were like, oh, there were a lot of photographers. Because I remember there was one point I was like, I don't think so. These, this many people have seen me naked at one time. <laughs> I it was like over 10 photographers for sure. And yeah, it was very nerve wracking, but like, everyone was so nice because you know, like how in the industry, like people are so kind and like the vulnerability that it takes to do that. People really, you know, treat you right for that. And like, they're very kind and encouraging, encouraging and uplifting. So it was a really nice space and I felt so safe. That's good. I mean, not everybody can say that they had a, a good experience for their first nude shoot. So I'm glad that yours was good, even though you said it was nerve wracking. Can you tell me like when it came to doing the nudes for the first time, like, did you have any like hang ups? Like, were you worried about family or potential employers or anything like that? Yes, of course. Um, I was like digging through your Instagram and a lot like you, I came from a very, very strict childhood. I'm from Texas. And I'm from, like, the Bible Belt, and my family oh, wow. actually, like, they're very religious, like, super religious. So, yeah, I had a ton of hangups. I remember even talking to my boyfriend before the shoot. I was like, I don't know, like, should I do it? Like, I'm going to be naked, and I'm going to be taking pictures, and, you know, it's probably going to be posted on the internet. And he was like, if you want to do it, I think you should do it. Like, I think you'll be great, and I think you're going to be very successful, you know, in whatever you do. And that kind of, like gave me motivation I mean a lot of times in the beginning of my career it gave me a lot of motivation because you know you kind of get imposter syndrome where you just like doubt yourself especially in the beginning you know yeah but I did have a lot of reservations like about my family and whatnot but I kind of got over it <laughs> that's good do you mind if I ask if if they know they do know especially since I was in Playboy oh right um, yeah, it just well, I was so happy to be in Playboys. So I'm like, okay, yeah, like of course I do need modeling. Like I'm in Playboy, but my mom has always been like super open and accepting. She's not as strict. It's really like her side of the family that is super strict. So like around when we're around her family, they are kind of like you know little side eyes, but they still love me. It's just you know they don't understand. So yeah. 
I, I know it's understandable, but I think maybe being in Playboy actually probably legitimizes your nude modeling career because that's a major publication. I think it did. I think, you know, people were like, oh, you know, because, you know, Playboy also is like their brand. It's worldwide and it's like identifiable. And people are like, oh, it's Playboy. You know, they, they nobody thinks anything bad of Playboy, which is good for them. But yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And so I guess the not understanding part is... I suppose, understandable because, I mean, freelance modeling is kind of a, it's a hard thing to describe how it works to other people that have only understood modeling as like, uh, you need an agent and you have to be in magazines and like doing runway and stuff. No, I agree. Yeah. A lot of people do think modeling is that even myself, because, you know, like you, I'm really tiny and petite as well. So when my friends were like, you should model, I'm like, model? Like, I'm 5'2". There's no way. <laughs> like, what are you talking oh. about? Yes, I'm also 5'2", and I had the same <laughs> hang-up. I, I thought I had to be taller, but unfortunately, there's a lot of variety within the nude modeling specifically. It doesn't really matter as much, like, what your height or, like, shape is as long as you're willing to get creative, I guess. <laughs> I want to take a short little break to tell you about Model Society. ModelSociety.com is a website dedicated to featuring figurative fine art photography for models and photographers. What makes them different than other portfolio hosting websites is that some of those other websites will still host kind of tacky photography or exploitative photos. Model Society screens all of their contributors for quality and authenticity. So you only get the best of the best on there. If you're not a photographer or model, you can still enjoy and appreciate Model Society because they also have newsletters and magazines featuring their best work and new articles each week. Check it out, modelsociety.com. I will also include a link to Model Society in the show notes. All right, now back to our show. Yeah, and like use, one thing I like about uh, art modeling is like, you use your body type like it's like your medium you know like so it's like you just create you can create different images like with different body types and like everyone is like so beautiful and that's what I do like about nude modeling it's just like it's everyone's accepted yes yeah you don't have to just be a clothes hanger for like some fact <laughs> <laughs> literally <laughs> clothes hanger that's good yeah not not to shit on the fashion industry or fashion models in general but I think that just their their strictness on how skinny and tall you have to be is i think basically because the clothing that they're showing like is supposed to look like that on their fashion runway models yeah the sample sizes are really small for some reason yeah have you ever had an agent no i have not i at the beginning of my career i thought i wanted one but then i just you know heard horror stories so i'm just like you know what the freelance is treating me pretty well i'll just keep you know keep doing it myself i'm kind of like a do-it-yourself kind of girl oh my gosh that is so important Um, it really is i find that in order to do freelancing anything you have to be the kind of person that can work from home you know do do your computer work on your own time and you know schedule your your trips and all of that yeah, it definitely does take a lot of like self-motivation, organization, and you just, yeah, have to be <laughs> motivated to do that yourself or nothing's going to happen. I got to say, when it comes to my perception of Los Angeles, I view it as such like an intense place. Like I, 
I assume that there's a lot of competition. And from my experience in the past traveling through there, I had found that it was harder to find paid work because it seems that a lot of people go to LA to try and make a name for themselves. So there's a lot of people doing TFP. Have you experienced that? You know, I haven't. Well, in the beginning, I do. It does. I understand the, like what you're saying, like the competitiveness. I remember when I first moved here, like every day I would wake up, like there's just like some energy here and it just like makes you want to do something. Maybe it's like the illusion that like, oh, today could be my next big break or something. But I do find that LA, it's an interesting city. It's one of those cities, like you have to know people. And that is how you can move about in the city. Like my first two years of modeling, I'm not gonna lie, they were my hardest because I knew no one. And yeah, like nobody really wants to shoot with you when you're a nobody, when they don't know you, you haven't worked with this, this and that. So it was really tough at the beginning, but I do find the longer I live here, the easier it gets. And the more it just rewards me because you just know people. And like you said, like so many people are trying to make it. So it's like people that are like fashion designers, they'll like hire me for a shoot. Or even like I have this one person that I met at a shoot who makes wigs and like her wig, she hired me to model for her brand. And it's just like, it's who you know, like you really get things by who you know. So you have to like stick around and network for sure. So that's how it has like shown me favor just by being in things, meeting people, networking, and just being available too. That, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I suppose just putting a travel notice up there and not really having connections in the city, like other cities, like, you know, you go to Ohio or like, you know, Tennessee or whatever, you just pop up a, a travel notice on Model Mayhem and then people might hit you up that way. But on in Los Angeles, it does seem that sometimes people just have last minute availability or they're not willing to schedule something three months into the future because they don't know what their schedule is going to be like. So so I guess I've sadly avoided Los Angeles a lot because I haven't really, I suppose, taken the time to network there and have that amount of success like you have. Yeah, exactly. Like a lot of my shoot, I want to say like 75% of my LA shoots are last minute. Like somebody just like texting me or reaching out to me being like, hey, are you available today at three for this shoot? Like paid, you know? And it's like, oh yeah, I am available actually. And that is very true about people not wanting to book things so far in advance. Cause like, I'm actually the same way, especially when it comes to LA, like people will be like, when will you be in LA? And I'm like, actually like I live here, but I travel so much. Like I can't tell you that I will be here, you know, like that far in advance because if something comes up, you know, I'm going to go travel and do that. So it is kind of one of those cities. You definitely just have to stick around for a bit, like around year three, like stuff started to turn in my favor and it got better, but only because I feel like networking, like with Playboy, how they found me is I modeled for this brand called Porn Hoodies. It's an amazing brand. And I modeled for them. They had like a, I'm a pole dancer. So they had like a pole dancing shoot while we wore their um, merchandise. And his girlfriend had posted me on her story because we were pole dancing together. And I guess Playboy had been scouting that girl. And they were like, oh, who's this other girl in your story? Like, can we reach out to her and ask her if she'd want to shoot for Playboy? And that's literally how it happens for me. And I'm like, wow, if I would have never gone to that shoot, I would have never had that offer, you know, that opportunity to be seen. And that's just like wow. a summary of how LA works. You do one thing and then like, you know, you meet this person. It's like, whoa, I never knew you did that. And like this could come of that. You know what I mean? 
Wow. Yeah. No, that does make sense. They, uh, the scout for Playboy saw you on your friend's Instagram story. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. And that's just the power of social media, you know? Sometimes really when I'm sitting there, like, engaging on social media, I'm just, like, telling myself this is important, this is work. Other people just think by looking at you that you're just wasting time on your phone. But, like, making story posts and tagging your friends and responding to comments it's important. Like we all have to do it for, to survive in this industry. It really is. And people really don't realize that. I was on an interview like yesterday talking to like some marketing people who weren't like content creators and like they just were like flabbergasted when I was just telling them like how often I use social media and they were like, well, do you use it in your personal free time? And I'm like, no, like it's my work. Like I use it for work. I like it in my free time. It's the last thing I do is go on social media. It's just, it's really funny. I guess that brings me to another question, though, because you do put a lot of your your personality into your modeling and your social media presence. Do you feel like there's like a line where like your online persona ends and then like your personal life begins? Or like how much of your true self do you feel that you share on your social media? I share my authentic self, like my personality and everything. That really is me. But as far as, like, the line, like, obviously, I don't share, like, personal details. Like, I'm really big on, like, not really posting my family. Just because not, like, anything negative. It's just, like, that's just something that's personal to me that I wouldn't really want to, you know, share with the world. And especially, you know, like, the line of, like, work that we do. It's, like, it's not really even family friendly at that point. So, I'm just, like, that is one aspect that I guess I draw the line. Because I am really big on family. I'm so family oriented. But I would say, like, that's a personality of myself that I guess I don't show that much just because it's like, I don't know, I don't want people, like, Googling my mom or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> and a couple of years ago, uh, are you familiar with incel culture, like, incel people? Yeah, yeah, yes. Oh, my God. A couple of years ago, incels were supposedly, like, going on a rampage by finding... OnlyFans creators' personal Facebook accounts and finding their dad and like screenshotting their OnlyFans content and then DMing it to these content creators' dads and saying, oh, is this your daughter? So fortunately, that's never happened to me. But has anybody ever tried to blackmail you like that? No, unfortunately, like not. That has not happened to me. But that is so insensitive and so heartbreaking to hear that. Yeah, I don't know how frequently that happens anymore i haven't i think that that was around the time that i just deleted my facebook page because it was 2020 and turmoil on the internet very yeah that is yeah that's concerning so you you started modeling in 2019 and in 2020 there was the pandemic so you've made all these publications in between your start and now but i'm sure the pandemic has had an effect on your career So funny enough, the pandemic actually, like, in a weird way, boosted my career. Because, like, if you think about it, during the pandemic, everybody left L.A. Like, they left L.A. in droves. I was one of those people, too, but, like, I wasn't leaving for good. I just, for, like, a couple months, me and my boyfriend went to Arizona just to stay with our parents, you know, because we didn't know, like, what the world was turning into. But then around, like, June of 2020, we came back to L.A. It was a ghost town, 
there was no one here. It was so weird. But like, because everyone had this free time and there was no one in the city, like Model Mayhem for LA was jumping. I got booked, like before the pandemic, I did not consider myself a full-time model. I was also a nanny. I would just tell people I was a nanny. Like when people would be like, what do you do for work? I'm like, oh, I nanny. Cause like, I would only model like part-time, like only like a couple shoots a month. So I'm like, you know, yeah, I nanny. Like I just model on the side. But then the pandemic happened and it was more like, oh, I model and I nanny on the side. Because there was just so many people here and they just had so much free time. And if you remember, the stimulus checks were floating around the economy, like people were getting unemployment. So there was a lot of money going around here. And I got, I was booked so much in the pandemic. And a lot of people would ask me too. They're like, oh, I bet the pandemic like hurt your booking or whatever. I'm like, actually, no, like I, I'm booked more now than ever, actually. So it was an interesting uh. time and it worked in my favor for sure. That's crazy. I know that it's, um, some cities seemed to be more locked down than others, but there was always people that were willing to like, you know, take a chance. It was definitely a tense time for me. Like I was worried and I was getting those COVID tests where they shove a tooth yeah. into your face by six inches and they squirt your brain. And I was doing that in the beginning of the pandemic before I got, um, vaccinated finally. But, um, but yeah, no, that's cool that you got so many bookings around that time yeah that was a strange time the benefit for me on on the pandemic was more people were sitting on their computers on the internet isolating themselves so they were like subscribing to my my subscription sites like patreon and OnlyFans. and after the pandemic kind of waned down i found that those people that were sitting on their computer subscribing they you know they left or you know not all of them but i definitely noticed that the pandemic increased the amount of activity that i had there significantly yeah i in hindsight because i just started my uh site my only fans like a year ago i do wish i started earlier because I'm like, whoa, I bet in the pandemic, like, this must have been crazy for creators. Like, it must have been a good time. <laughs> so since you were in Playboy, I know that Playboy has uh, OnlyFans competitor website. Like, uh, I forget, is it Playboy Plus? Or There's some kind of an OnlyFans type social platform where you can make money. Do you have one of those accounts? Yeah, and I totally forget what it's called too. It's I think it's called like Playboy something. They do have a Playboy Plus, but like that's the thing that you have to get scouted for. I was in that, and you have to get scouted for that. It's not like uh, it's not creator based. Like it, that's through Playboy. But yeah, they have another app that like is creator based, like OnlyFans, and I do use it. But my only complaint with that, it's not that user friendly, and not that many people are on it. And I'm not sure, like, how explicit you can get on that because one time I posted, like, some BDSM stuff with me and another model and they took it down. And I was like, oh, yeah, I was like, okay, I'm not really sure what the guidelines are here, but I'm like, okay, I'm just not going to use this anymore because I don't, you know how it feels like getting an account suspended or deleted or banned. Like, it, yeah. it sucks. And it's like all that work and time I just put into that for you to take it all away. So Tell me about it. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely an ongoing theme with every podcast episode I do is getting deplatformed from various platforms. Yeah, I saw that recently you got deplatformed from YouTube. Were you able to get that back? Or No, I had that channel since 2009 too. So it had a lot of memories on it. And and I, I can, I have most of those files still like on various hard drives, but yeah. it's really a huge bummer that it's not like on the internet anymore. 
But why do they take it down? So I had had strikes in the past, and for anybody that's listening that like uh, doesn't know YouTube's content strike policy, supposedly you're supposed to be able to get three strikes and then you're out. So a strike means that you posted something that was against the rules and they'll take the video down and they'll give your channel a strike. And each strike fades off of your account after 90 days. And I didn't have any active strikes at all for like years. You know, I've had strikes in the past, but I hadn't had any strikes or any content taken down for a long time. I posted a video that was like a posing demonstration in like, um, little booty short panties and a crop top where I was posing on the bed and it was mostly just posing. So yeah, there were some gratuitous poses, but I was fully clothed, you know, by YouTube standards and they just took my whole channel down with no warnings or no strikes. And I contested it repetitively, and I even went to their Reddit support team and the Twitter support team, and I talked to humans, and they all said, you know, nope, sorry, this was a severe violation, and you've had violations in the past, and we're, they're, I guess, just overlooking this three-strike policy because they said the video was that severe. And I, I I've know. seen worse on YouTube. I've, I've seen nipples on YouTube. What? Yeah, you you can technically you can put nudity or even sheer tops on on YouTube if you mark it as eighteen plus. And if it's if it's a how to video or if it's like oh. documentary style, you can post that. I I used to even have nude yoga videos on YouTube, right. but they just get stricter and stricter. And I think that maybe some maybe a human did look at my account and they they might have seen videos that I posted like five to eight years ago that are no longer, you know, terms of service, you know, from oh, the time that I posted them. So I don't know. I never really got a straight answer. They never even said that it was that video that got me taken down. But that was the last thing that I posted. And the next day my channel was gone. So that's, oh, it's so uh, sorry. I know it's okay. I'll, I will eventually start a new YouTube account. I just, uh, you know, <laughs> moving through live i'm severely butthurt about it you know <laughs> yes no getting banned from like things and getting your stuff taken down it's so annoying like that's happened to me like four times on tiktok <laughs> oh yeah you, your whole account taken down yeah they just permanently banned that same with twitter too i they have taken me down as well which what? i was surprised by twitter yeah it, it is a long story i can get into it so like i made because i used to have a personal twitter account that i had since i was like a kid since like 2011 and so when i started nude modeling i was like you know i don't want to subject my friends and family <laughs> to what i'm about to post so i'm gonna make another account so i made another account and where i messed up was I did not know you can't have like nudity in the header or the profile picture. And I wasn't even nude. I was just, I was really like scantily clad though, basically nude. And I didn't know that. Like, I I guess I should have read the the stuff, but yeah, they warned me. They warned me like two or three times, but yeah, I guess I didn't put it together. So they, after like the third or fourth time, they were just like, we're taking your account and they took it. And then they took my other one from 10 years ago like and I was just like what that's my personal account like and I did I even went to the BBB and like emailed them and I'm like they wrongfully took my account but yeah nothing nothing came of it and it was just gone and I was like wow but in hindsight like I mentioned that account was like it was like my personal account and it was like kind of um people were like finding out that it was like me like the model 
So I'm actually glad that it got deleted in hindsight because I did have pictures of like my family and like my niece on that account if you like scrolled down yeah. far, far enough. So I'm like, you know, maybe that's just like a blessing in disguise that that is wiped from the internet <laughs> because yeah. maybe I don't want that out there, you know? It was really personal, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, it sucks, but, you know. Yeah, lesson learned. I made a new Twitter. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, Twitter's a tough one, I, and I think that it's changing all the time, especially now that it's under new management, and I'm not even mm-hmm. sure about it anymore, but... Yeah, well, I feel like we're in the last of the Twitter days, but it's a great marketing um, yeah. app there, you know, internal traffic is amazing there. Yeah, so that's what it's worth having for mm-hmm. driving traffic still, so I'm on it. I should put more effort into it, but... Yeah, I follow you on Twitter, I, I was like, oh, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Okay, so I have a question that I want to ask that I ask everybody on the show. So we're, we're completely changing topics now. Sorry to reroute. <laughs> it's called the photo shoot fail of the week. Basically, um, if you have any story of a crazy photo shoot, whether because the photographer themselves was crazy or perhaps the situation surrounding the photo shoot was crazy, I would like to hear one or more of your craziest photo shoot stories. <laughs> yes, I have this crazy one. I think this happened in like March of this year and that setting is really important. So like around, I think it was earlier this year in LA, I don't know if you remember, it like snowed a little bit. It was so cold and it had like snowed in like Topanga Canyon. Like it was really weird cause you know, it never snows in Los Angeles. <laughs> So there was this photographer who I had been following for a while. We were mutuals. And he's a, he's an amazing photographer. Um, he has, like, great images and just, like, really makes really good images. So he reached out to me. Oh, and he does these, like, crazy group shoots where it's, like, a lot of people. And it's, like, everybody's naked. But it's, like, super cool and artistic. And he reached out to me. And it was, like, a last-minute thing because it had just snowed. And nobody expected it to snow. So he was like, hey, like, tomorrow morning – we're going to go shoot in the snow. I'm trying to like, you know, get as many people as I can to go do this nude shoot in the snow. You know, like, it's like, not like once in a lifetime, but it's like, you know, it never snows in LA. So I think it'd be really cool to like capture that and the beauty or whatever. So I was like, oh yeah, of course. Like loved his images, never met them in real life. So, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, just winging it. And it was a trade shoot because there was like over 20 people at the shoot. You know, it's more like an artistic thing, but that should have been my first, like, red flag (laughs) it was a trade shoot but I'm like okay like I don't really do trade shoots but also my best friend who is an art news model she was like gonna do it as well so you know when you see your friend it's like okay I'll do it if you do it so we go to this shoot and we did have to drive pretty far out of the city because we had to like get you know in the more like nature area I want to say it was like an hour drive and the first red flag was like we were driving to someone where there was no service because, you know, it's nature and we were all speaking to each other through Instagram. Oh. And so, yeah, like me and my bestie, we were like, we're on the way, like, you know, chatting in the Instagram group message. And, you know, we we're like putting in the coordinates and we're driving up and, you know, we're like driving and we're like, hey, like there's no service. Like, how are we going to you know reach everyone to like meet them? And then we get to one part of like the mountain and then the road is just straight up closed because of the snow, like the government probably knew like, oh, people are going to try to complain in the snow and it's dangerous. So the road is like closed. So we were like, oh, my goodness, like there's no service. The road is closed. Like, how are we supposed to tell these people that the road is closed? Because I think we were the first ones there. 
And so we had to turn around until we got service. And then we messaged and we're like, hey, the road is closed. And so we all met up at somewhere else. And then we went to a different spot. And that was kind of like the first like, oh my gosh, like the shoot is like uncoordinated and crazy. Like they didn't even spot the location really. (laughs) And so we finally get to a location and there's like two photographers, the one that like I had been in contact with and then another one. And then the other one was just like, it was a new shoot and it's cold, mind you. So it's like March time, you know, it's spring and it's really cold for LAers because, you know, you live in the West Coast, like it never gets cold here. But yeah. like we're in our coats and one of the photographers is just straight up like, okay, get naked. <laughs> like they just like get naked now. And it's like, oh, okay. Like everybody just like starts like taking off their clothes. And I'm like, okay, like that, you know, that was a little abrupt. Like just get naked. You could be like, okay, we're going to start shooting if you want to like take off your clothes or whatever. But it was just like, okay, we just all got naked. And it was like, it was kind of silent because like nobody, it was a big group shoot. Nobody really knew each other. So we're just doing that. And they're like telling us what to do. Like they wanted us to do some crazy shit, like fucking climb a tree. Like they wanted all of us to like make like a human ladder up to a tree. And I'm like, what? Like this is so physically demanding. And we're butt ass naked, like trying to climb a tree. And you know, it's cold. So like there was that, like we all had to like do this human ladder tower thing up a tree. And it was nice because that time we had like the trees to like hold on to. So that was nice. And that was like the beginning of it. <laughs> but so we did the tree thing. And then they had us like walking back and forth like on this mountain, like just trying to create these like really artistic visuals. And in the end, the photos came out great, but like just like the way they were like going about it and like instructing us how to do it, it was so just like off-putting and it just like wasn't really like a warm environment, (laughs) like literally and figuratively. And so then after the tree, they were like, okay, like the other photographer who I just met was like, okay, I want to shoot at another spot. Okay, everybody just follow me. And so we all just like, we all just like following this person to the other spot. And then we start hiking up this really, really, really steep mountain, like with no warning, like they weren't like bring water bottles, bring snacks. Like we're doing like a two mile hike. Like they never said that we are just like walking. And I'm realizing I'm like, we're like climbing up this steep mountain and I have asthma and it's like springtime. And that's usually when my asthma like flares up. Uh. And I was like, I was like looking through my bag and I'm like, oh no, I left my inhaler in the car because I didn't know I was going on a two mile hike. Like my asthma isn't that bad, but it does flare up when I'm doing something really physical. And I was just like, there was like a point where we were like, you know, 75% up the mountain. And I'm like, oh my goodness, my breathing is really bad right now. And the my inhaler that's in the car is so far and I'm on top of this big mountain. You know, if you could like do like a third story, you know, perspective, it's like, me on the mountain and the car like so far down like at the bottom of the mountain and like me out of breath so I was like I like tell my best friend I'm like dude my my asthma is like acting up and um my inhaler is in the car and like I didn't want to like you know I didn't know that it wasn't a really warm group setting so like I didn't want to be like oh I can't breathe you know I was like a little too shy to tell them that because I didn't want them to think like I don't know I was overreacting or like oh she can't hang or something I'm not really sure what was going through my head But yeah, I was just like, um, I can't breathe. And then when it was like getting really bad, like 
almost to the point where I thought I was going to have to get like a helicopter off the mountain. Oh my we God. finally got to the top and I was just like, I was like trying to catch my breath and I'm just like, okay, I can't breathe. Like I, I can't shoot. Like I, I cannot breathe. Like I need my inhaler. So I was just straight up like, I think I'm going to go back down the mountain. I hope I make it and I'm going to go get my inhaler. And my friend ended up coming with me because she was like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to let you go down there by yourself because, you know, what if something happened to you? Like, what if I need to carry you, basically? Oh and I was just like, yeah. And like, when we alerted the people, like the photographers, they were like, just still like so nonchalant. Like they did not, not that they didn't care, but you know, like I, they didn't really understand the urgency of what was going on. And they also didn't understand me. Like when I was like, um, I wish you guys told me that we were going to hike up a steep mountain, like for like two miles, you know, like I'm not in hiking shoes. Like I wasn't aware like that would be part of the shoot. And they were just like, they were like so natural. They're like, oh, it's okay. Like, um, maybe you could just go get your inhaler, hike back up, and keep shooting. Uh, and I'm like, for free? Absolutely not. Like, yeah. I'm just like, no, I'm like, once I make it down that mountain, I'm not coming back up. Like, I'm just not. And they were kind of like looking at me, like, oh, are you serious? Like, you're not. And I'm like, I'm so serious. And like, I'm doing all this with like half a breath left. So like I get back down to the mountain and me and my friend are just like shook. We're like, they didn't offer us water. They didn't like, they weren't like, are you okay? Like, it was just like, they're kind of just like, oh, okay. Like, good luck with that. Bye. <laughs> and that yeah. was just like such a terrible shoot. And I'm like, how can people be like so organized and like disorganized and do that to people, especially like people who are working for free. It was crazy, but love I still love that photographer and the work that they create and it's they're beautiful images but like I'm like never again I would never shoot with that person again yeah having empathy on a snowshoot is really important (laughs) yes yeah I've had I've had not a similar experience but I have shot in the snow with a photographer who did not like you know have the foresight to predict that I was going to get cold and stuff like that so I I feel your pain. That sucks. And the two-mile hike. What the fuck? What were they thinking? What if somebody died on their shoot? Yeah, that's how I felt. Like, there was times when I was going up the mountain without my inhaler. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, am I going to make it? And it kind of, like, brought me back to, like, when my inner child, like, when I was a kid and dealing with my asthma, you know, like, not really sure knowing, like, what asthma is exactly. Like, you just can't breathe and your parents tell you, like, have to take medicine. And I was just, like, I felt like a little kid again, just, like, wheezing at recess. Like, I'm, like, oh, no, like, I'm nervous. Like, I can't breathe. And, like, yeah. And a lot of people who don't have asthma or know someone with asthma, they don't really understand. Like, it's chill, but it's, like, not. Like, you know, I look fine, but I can't breathe. And people don't really (laughs) realize that. (laughs) Like, Yeah, definitely. You know, that's an interesting thing to point out because a lot of times when photographers are worried about like, oh, I want the model to have a good time at the shoe and I want them to feel comfortable. I think a lot of the times they're thinking about, oh, I don't want to appear creepy because if I'm being creepy, then that's going to make them uncomfortable. But there's other things besides creepiness that can make you really uncomfortable and like not having a the wherewithal to, you know, provide options to get warm or like you know do you need medication or like is this condition going to be challenging for you like like those sorts of things all together like on top of being respectful and not creepy make the model feel like good about the shoot and so if you feel like if you feel like they're just kind of like not giving a shit about you as a human being like they're just treating you like 
oh, you are my subject and you are going to suffer at my expense for my art for free. Like the audacity. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how it felt. But now going forward, when I, even in any group setting I'm in, like whether it's a shoot or even if it's a one-on-one, I do always just tell people, I'm like, hey, I have asthma. I have an inhaler. It's in my bag. It's red. If I can't reach it and need it, like that, that's what it is. Like, yeah, I'm just like very clear now. And I just always have it on me because I'm like, that was terrible. <laughs> like, and, and with freelancing also, there's not like L&I. There's not like, um, you know, insurance for, for us besides what we have as far as our own insurance. Like, unless we have like some kind of an agreement that the photographer signs that says, you know, if you put me through too harsh of conditions and I suffer and have to go to the hospital as a as a result, then, you know, you're liable. Like, I've never had to like enact anything like that, but situations like the story you just told make me make me think about that more. I know, yeah, it is kind of like a do at your own risk kind of career. <laughs> it's true, and even for t- photographers too, because sometimes a lot of photographers might be a lot older than us and might have more health complications. And there have been times where I was worried about the photographer's health you know, shooting outdoors or like going up a hill or upstairs or whatever. Like I've, I've witnessed people looking like they're, they they might need medical attention at times. Oh, definitely. I remember I was in Costa Rica shooting and, you know, we were shooting at a river and the rocks were so mossy. They were so mossy. And like, I felt lucky that we were barefoot because you know how your foot has like that natural grip that just kind of doesn't make you slip on the rock. The photographers, you know, were in their hiking shoes, so they had no grip, and I felt so bad. Like, some of them were, like, trying to shoot, like, on the rocks, but they were, like, so slippery, and I saw one fall, and I'm like, oh, no, and, like, I'm, like, you know, in the middle of the river, like, on a rock, so it's not like I could just, like, leap in and, like, go save him or anything. I'm just, like, shouting, like, oh, my gosh, are you okay? Like, it was so so heartbreaking. I'm like, oh, my goodness, ice that, you know? Yeah, yeah, I have witnessed a couple of photographer injuries as well. But yeah, it is definitely a do as your own risk thing. I, I've never witnessed or experienced anybody wanting to get legal about any kind of injury happening afterwards. Yeah. Fortunately, most people like that I've worked with, that, that I know, that other people have worked with, most people generally are understanding like, oh, I'm responsible for my own accidents if I were to fall or whatever. But yeah. But I do feel like in the situation that you just described, where they gave you no details about what you were expected to do in advance, that I feel like that's definitely like a putting you at risk. It, it, it's no longer, it felt like it was no longer we're all in this for each other type thing. And you are all being subjected to this environment where you didn't even feel comfortable saying that you couldn't breathe because you didn't want to be the Debbie Downer or whatever. Yeah. That's messed up. Well, I'm glad that you got through it and that you survived. And I'm glad that you, in a way, I'm still glad that you didn't hike all the way back up to do that last shoot because I wouldn't want to either. No, it was, yeah, not enjoyable. But the pictures came out great. What we did do, they were cool. It it was different. It's nothing I posted, but it was cool. (laughs) Interesting experience. That's cool. I mean, yeah, I'm glad that something visually good did come out of it. But sometimes it's like you look at a cool picture and you wonder, like, 
what's the backstory? <laughs> like, what was yeah, really- yeah, no, for sure. Like, I'm glad that I got to be a part of it and meet that photographer because their images are super cool. But yeah, I'm just like, okay, been there, done that. <laughs> yes, you you suffered that and you <laughs> check it off of your bucket list and you don't have to do it again if you don't want to. <laughs> yes, literally, that's how I see it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I see like a picture of a model like posing on some what look like sharp rocks, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, I know sometimes those rocks are really hard to pose on with laying on your back and stuff so they are models make it look so easy I see that too and I'm like oh my goodness how does she do that yeah so somebody that's never laid nude on a sharp rock sometimes (laughs) it's pretty painful (laughs) yeah it's like what do you say it like that (laughs) are you sounding painful yeah I just got done posing on a bunch of rocks the last couple of months so it's definitely on my mind Yeah, when I'm doing art modeling like that out in nature, like, I always remind myself, like, wow, you know, you are born as a human with everything you need to survive the Earth's elements, you know, kind of, basically, like, the first humans, you know, they just, everyone was naked, and then our feet, we're supposed to walk barefoot on the Earth, like, our heels callous, like, stuff like that, so I always just try to remind myself, you know, like, capitalism has made me soft, (laughs) I think about that too too, actually like we we get we get sunburned we like get a headache and it ruins our day we we like bump our knee and it like messes up our day like could you imagine hunting for our own food like (laughs) yeah seriously yeah and even even like our sleeping conditions like I have to have a mattress that's the perfect softness and firmness and I have to have the pillow that's perfect for my neck otherwise it ruins my whole day the next day you like slept in caves before I know or like even how we have like uh control the temperature like ac like how when i sleep i need it at 69 degrees like period <laughs> like if it is not at 69 degrees like i wake up in the middle of the night and i'm like it's hot <laughs> like <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my gosh okay i have another question that i want to ask you that i also ask everybody on the show i call it the rising phoenix moment in your life can you describe a situation where it could be related to your modeling or not, where you were faced with a challenge that you had to overcome. And this could be related to your career. It could be related to insecurities that you've had to overcome, but any kind of a challenge that you've had to surpass. Yes. Well, mine would, a challenge that I've had to overcome, and it it has nothing to do with modeling, just uh, self-work and self-improvement, But a big challenge I had to overcome was just, like, forgiving my mother just for, like, everything, like, as a person and just, like, healing that mother wound. Like, I used to have a very difficult relationship with my mom growing up, and we didn't always see eye to eye. And honestly, we still don't. But I remember it came to a point in my life, I think about, like, I want to say it was, like, four or five years ago, where I just, you know, I just had this heaviness in my heart that I was just like carrying around and I it was at this point where I was like no I'm just not ever going to be friends with my mom like I'm never going to like like my mom I had decided that but I just felt the heaviness from that and I really just like sat with myself and I thought long and hard and I was like holding this grudge against your mother like how is that going to serve you in life like how is that going to play out you know you meet new people and you're just like 
oh, I don't talk to my mom or like, you know, stuff like that. I was just like, really, how is that going to serve you? And I realized I took a long, hard look at myself and I'm like, you know, that is not going to serve me. Like, I should just forgive her like wholeheartedly, whether she ever apologizes or not. I should forgive her in my heart and not hold anything against her because she is just a human and she did the best that she could with like, you know, the cards that she was dealt. And when I chose not to hold that against her and like wholeheartedly forgive her and like for everything, it just felt like such a big weight lifted off my shoulders. Like I cried and I was just like, you know, I love you. Thank you. I forgive you. I'm sorry. You know, like, I don't know if you're familiar with like, oh no, Opo, like that mantra, just, I love you. Thank you. I'm sorry. You know, please forgive me. Mm-hmm. Once I went through that with my mom, just like within my own space and my own heart, it was crazy. I think like the next holiday was like Thanksgiving and I had to spend it with my mom because like we were like in Texas and something had happened, but and I was really dreading it. I'm like, oh no, like I have to spend Thanksgiving with my mom. But we spent Thanksgiving together and we really bonded, which was like a first. And then she randomly out of the blue just apologized to me for everything. And I was yeah. like, it was so like, it was such an amazing moment. And I was really shocked. Like I, it brought me to tears. And I was like, mom, like I already forgave, forgave you in my heart. Like, but I'm like, just to hear it out of your mouth, like, it was like such a beautiful thing. And since then, me and my mom, we have a great relationship. We still obviously have our disagreements, but we just agree to disagree. And I was just like so happy and proud of myself for that. Because as a kid, I always told myself like, oh, when I'm an adult, like I'm not going to talk to my parents anymore. I'm just going to, you know, be one of those people who just I, just does their own thing. But as I was like getting older, like you realize how important and precious family is. Like even if like, some things have happened that you didn't agree with. Like in hindsight, like I'm so grateful for my family. I'm so grateful for my mother. She's an amazing, wonderful person. And I'm so glad I don't hold a grudge against her anymore. Wow. That's really powerful. The, if you're not able to forgive, like even if it's not consciously, like there's resentment in your heart. Yeah, there was a lot of resentment in my heart. And I just looked at like, honestly, I did acid. And then I just <laughs> sat and thought, about like my mother and then I thought about her mother and then I thought about like my grandmother's mother you know this like the generational and it's like okay I wholeheartedly felt like if you want to change something it's not going to be by like being mad or like being bitter like if you want to change like you have to do it with love that's the only way wow that's amazing I you know I haven't tripped on acid but I have done mushrooms which is kind of sort of similar as far as I'm told. And I have had the ability to be aware of myself from an outside perspective through doing that in the past. So I can really, I can see that it can be a helpful tool for like, you know, becoming aware of things about yourself that perhaps you wouldn't have been if you didn't allow yourself to step outside yourself, I suppose. I I totally agree. Before I did that, like I honestly, as a person, I didn't really think that deeper and I also didn't I was compassionate like a little bit but I found that after I started doing that I just became more compassionate and empathetic and just more like just human you know unity connection like all that stuff just you know we are all one like we are all together in this you know what I mean it's not you and me it's us 
I love that. It's true. It is true. And there are people out there that can't like see that, like, or feel that deep level, but it's because they haven't been shown that path yet. Not because they're not, they don't have the capacity for it. Yeah, I know for sure. Like that's exactly like how I felt, honestly. After my first trip, I was like, whoa, I know some things that a lot of people don't know. It's a whole new world. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. Wow, I, I think it's so amazing, like how much success that you've had in just the last few years, even like though that there was a pandemic that halted a lot of people's success, you were able to persevere through that and actually like make a lot of what a lot of people say are bucket list items for them, like getting publications and companies that are big like Playboy and then working in music videos for like big mainstream music artists like you've done so much cool stuff but you're still this down-to-earth person you know who like re-accepted your mom back into your heart and like is able to mend all these so so that's part of the reason I like doing all these podcast episodes is because it shows the depth of the person that's behind the images that they share you get to know somebody more and all of us models on the internet we all have personalities, you know, we're not just pictures. <laughs> that is very true. And I really appreciate your podcast for that. I've listened to a couple episodes of like some of my other friends. Like I listened to Taylor May's oh. episode, which was so good and just so eye opening. And I'm like, wow, I really like your podcast. It's amazing. You're doing a Thank great you. job. I love Taylor. She's awesome. She has some crazy stories that I was like gasping at with my jaw dropping. It's like, really? He did that? Let's go beat his ass, you know? I know. And her her podcast episode was like just so insightful. Like the thing where she was like, you know, I just went along with it because like if you act scared or anything, like that's literally like how like something bad happens. And I'm like, whoa, like that is so wise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True that. Yeah. Yeah, I fortunately haven't had to deal with that as much in the last few years, but I think unfortunately a lot of models in the first, you know, few years of their modeling especially end up, you know, having to escape some weird mm -hmm. most definitely. But yeah, as you get older, they like you know, you start to see the red flags, you know, you're like, "Oh, I've been in this before." Like no way, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and Today, with the modeling industry and the community itself, there's so many more models that are actually talking to each other. In, like, 2008, it was not like that. People were not helping each other out. It, it was a lot harder to get that kind of help from anybody. You had to really prove yourself. Like hazing. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. It, it, mm -hmm. Getting hazed or even feeling like you're being excluded yeah because i feel like people feel like like oh it happened to me so like it should happen to you it'll toughen you up or something but no. yeah i i think that's wrong though i, I think that I if too. there if there are people that you could you know make aware like look out for this guy don't shoot with him or be aware this person's gonna push your limits or whatever i think we should all talk to each other about that and i'm glad I that i totally agree yeah i'm glad that it's moving more into that direction now yeah it is awesome i'm really thankful for like how we met at muses and like that group chat because it wasn't until then that like i started chatting with other models like about things you know and like getting references and stuff like that it's been awesome and it's made me feel like a lot more safe that is awesome and there there is community I and mean, people do i think people do legitimately want to help each other out now where it's not just like, you know, you're doing it for brownie points. I think people are 
like legitimately wanting to make the industry better and safer. Yeah. Heck yeah. All right. Well, we're near our hour. I would like to ask if there's anything else you wanted to bring up before we close. No, I can't believe an hour has already passed. This has been an amazing discussion. I love this. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. I'll be sure to include links to your stuff, like your social media website, if you have one in the show notes. Oh, yes. And I would like to say something. I did just start a YouTube channel. Yeah. And it's super fun. It's at Miss Dakota Simone. Check it out if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, I'll include that in the show notes also. I would what I would love to see your YouTube. I, I need to get re-motivated to start a new channel myself. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was asking about it because I just started it like on the 6th of this month. And I posted my first video last week. And I was like, I saw you posting about your YouTube when you would like post your videos and I would subscribe to you. And I'm like, oh, I want to start my YouTube soon. Uh, cool. I'm glad that we can inspire each other. Yeah. <laughs>